0: Should start. Oh, and Jake was on oh, top of shit. it anyway. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. And I'm
1: Amy Scott, in for Kyra's Doll today. Thanks for joining us on this Monday. We're going to do the news and then share a couple Make Me Smiles and get out of your hair. So, Kimberly, let's yeah. start with the news
0: fix. What you got? Oh, so of course I go space, but space with a little bit of extra political drama, minor political drama, but drama Mm. nevertheless. So uh, the Blue Origin, the company Blue Origin, which is the Jeff Bezos company, um, had a rocket launch that did not go well uh, Monday morning, and it had a serious problem with the New Shepard rocket which forced the vehicle's emergency abort system to jettison the capsule away from the booster. Now, there were no people on this rocket. Uh, There were no people in the capsule. This was a test flight. And, you know, to the credit of the safety system, the capsule did jettison when there was a problem, and it seems to have landed safely away from danger. So that's a a good test. And uh, according to the Washington Post, the capsule's parachutes later deployed and it landed softly in the west texas texas desert so that's oh. good news and all of these tests are very important for you know right the that's why you test right this is why you test good that this did not happen with people on board so hopefully whatever the problem is it will be fixed for the next time but one interesting thing in the washington post story that i didn't even realize was happening is happening is that uh, they mentioned, you know, like halfway down the article, the mishap comes as the Federal Aviation Administration and the National Transportation Safety Board have been working to clarify who investigates space flight crashes. And last week, the oh. agency signed an agreement detailing how they'll work together in the event of a mishap. The NTSB will lead the agency in any commercial space accident that results in a fatal or serious in- injury to anyone. If there is damage to property, and then the FAA would oversee this particular accident because the capsule landed safely and the booster impacted within the designated hazard area, no injuries or public property damage. And it was fascinating to me because, you know, there's so much new law and policy and regulations that are going to have to be developed to respond to our increasing activity in space you know we just did an interview that's going to be running on the tech show about you know apple in their launch and their update of their new ios and, and iphone that they've got a new feature to do sos Um, alerts using satellite technology as well. And so there's Mm. all of these new gray areas, what belongs to what agency or do we need new agencies? And I just thought it was fascinating. So on the show page, we have this Washington Post article talking about the accident today, but also um, this joint statement from the NTSB and the FAA about how they're going to handle commercial space accidents, which I thought Hmm. was kind of
1: interesting a new frontier of the last frontier the legal yes the legal <laughs> the government bureaucratic version.
0: processes Yes, well i assume with the federation when do? we just
1: had nasa <laughs> it was nasa would investigate i mean or did yeah this but just nasa not really is a scientific have-
0: agency And so NASA's a scientific agency, and we're talking about commercial. Now, they're both under the Department of Commerce. Like, the Department of Mm -hmm. Commerce has, like, a commercial space division. Um, And NASA is also there, and and all these other things live under the Department of Commerce. It's kind of weird, actually. Um, But NASA has pretty much stepped back and said, look, we're doing the science stuff. You know, taking people on tours of space, that's all the commercial folks. Satellites in low Earth orbit leave it to the commercial folks. We are focused on Mars. We are focused on the origins of the universe, leaving the rest of it to other folks. And so I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting.
1: It's a good thing we have our Washington and space expert available to translate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You mean resident nerd. All right. So
1: I I wasn't going to say it that way. So I got two related items. Um, One Mm -hmm. I first saw in the Wall Street Journal, but it's a study out today from the National Bureau of Economic Research. And it estimates that COVID-19 illness has reduced the U.S. labor force by about half a million people. So that would be the labor force would be about 500,000 people or 0.2 percent larger if it weren't for COVID. Um, Which maybe seems small, but I think it's pretty interesting what they did, these researchers who are um, Gopi Shad Goda at Stanford and Evan Soltis at MIT. And I should say this hasn't been peer-reviewed yet, so, you know, peers, speak up if you see a problem. Mm -hmm. But um, they estimate that workers who have week-long absences due to COVID are seven percentage points less likely to be in the labor force a year later. Um, so that illness has an an effect and they're not just talking about long COVID they they also mentioned that COVID-19 illnesses can reduce the labor supply by pushing older workers into retirement Um, Mm. but there are a lot of reasons that people may not come back after an illness and that's led to foregone earnings they say of at least nine thousand dollars per absence so pretty interesting research thanks but the uh the other related note is um Ed Yong had a piece in the Atlantic uh, looking that. at brain fog. Yeah, it's yeah, really interesting so and scary. So you guys have done stuff on on here about long COVID and and about mm-hmm. brain fog, but Yong reports that this is a, you know, one of the most common symptoms of long COVID but also hugely misunderstood even though, he explains, it's a frequent symptom of a lot of other conditions, including HIV, epilepsy, after seizure, um, cancer patients undergoing chemo might experience this, and people with other chronic illnesses. But it's often dismissed, even joked about. And you know, basically, the TLDR version he posted on Twitter, at edyoung209 is his uh, Twitter handle. He says, people with brain fog Quote, struggle with concentration, multitasking, and planning, which underlie almost everything. It raises unconscious activities to the level of effortful, effortful consciousness and makes easy tasks absurdly hard. Um, so I don't know if folks out there have, have dealt with this. We'd love to hear from you and, and my sympathies. And this clearly needs a lot more study.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'd love to hear from you with the acknowledgement that it might be challenging. One of the astonishing things to me about that piece was this idea that there is a definition of what brain fog is. It's not just, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm more forgetful or, oh, you know, I can't remember, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing or I lose track of things. No, it's like your brain changes and the way that your brain sends signals changes. and Listening or reading some of the stories that he highlights in this piece of people, you know, it's just devastating and debilitating. And and I can't imagine the frustration of having it be so dismissed when you know something is different and you know something is wrong, but no one is taking you seriously. And, yeah, you know, a lot of the, you know, rhetoric around is like, oh, you know – it's just, you know, that you, you're you recovering slowly or you're not, you know, just on top of it. You just need to focus harder and you can't focus harder. And I also saw that, you know, he was writing that mo- much of the research around brain fog is in dementia patients and not mm-hmm. in these younger people who are experiencing it now. And so it just needs, like you said, a ton more research, super fascinating research. Um, piece. If you can read it, read the whole thing. His thread uh, on Twitter was super informative, too. Yeah. We'll Uh, link to that. Yes. Smiles. Yes. Let's do some smiles. You go first, Amy.
1: All right. If the thunder stops overhead, (laughs) we're in the midst of a storm here, which you might be hearing. Um, So it Kimberly, is it too early to talk about Black Friday?
0: <laughs> no, not in the tiniest. It's always but I'm about too early to, to talk early about Black well.
1: Friday. So people have been complaining about Black Friday creep for years. Uh, you know, with promotions getting earlier and earlier, and, and you know, Christmas trees for sale in August. Um, but Bloomberg columnist Thomas Black said there's a good reason this year not to focus all our shopping on that extended weekend after Thanksgiving supply chain issues. So his argument is we should spread out our shopping, make it easier on the shipping and logistics companies and the retailers who are, you know, staffing up uh, for this crush. If we just spread out our shopping a little, it wouldn't be so bad, which I thought was kind of a funny, um, you know, I've heard people protest Black Friday for a lot of reasons. This this was a new one to me.
0: <laughs> you know, that piece was funny because um we've been reporting on marketplace so much about how retailers are sitting on all this inventory right that mm-hmm. they're trying to get rid of and yet here they're like oh but retailers are stocking up for black friday <laughs> and it's like well how much <laughs> stuff do you need and where well, and it's I different still haven't stuff seen, right <laughs> i know <laughs> the i know stuff they thought we
1: wanted we don't and <laughs> maybe they figured yes, out what we that's do. what's
0: stockpiled yeah And I was, um, you know, talking with one of my relatives about potentially going, coming for a visit at the uh, end of October. And they were like, oh, great, you can help me put up my Christmas decorations. I was like, what? It's like just the indoor ones. It's like, so you want to put up your indoor Christmas decorations before you've taken down your outdoor Halloween decorations. (laughs) I just just, can't. can't. I
1: can't. The, yeah, some of our neighbors down the street have already started the craziness that is their annual Halloween decoration. It's you know September. It's not even mid-September yet.
0: Oh, I there's got a, time a delivery and a place, today. People. No, no, no. I I got a delivery today <laughs> for a component of my Halloween costume. You have to plan ahead for Halloween. It's important.
1: No, I guess. Well, yes. I'm just you know, speaking of supply chain issues, especially now, if there's something special you need, I can't wait to see
0: your costume. By the way. Ah, oh, Thanks. I'm excited about it. It's one I've done before, but I'm doing it more elaborately this year. Um, but speaking of make, planning early for things, uh, if you yeah. are somebody who likes looking at the fall foliage and the wonderful autumn colors, if you're in a place where, you know, leaves change colors, there's this really <laughs> cool um, map that the, what what is this? It's the uh, Smoky Mountain... Oh gosh, Smoky Mountain National Park, I guess. Yes, hmm. I think it's a Smoky Mountain National Park. I'm gonna look at this. Um, yes, the tourism site for the Smoky Mountain region has an interactive map that basically uses a pretty advanced like algorithm to predict exactly when leaves are going to peak at different parts of the country. I'm clicking around because I'm looking at it. And you can zoom in like really close and get to a county by county level to see like what's green, what's minimal, patchy, partial, near peak, peak, or past the peak. So if you're planning your, you know, autumn tours or drives or train rides or whatever for your uh, leaf peeping, you can go to that site and check it out. And it's Oh, cool. this is great. Yeah, and it's not there. just
1: for the Smokies, right? It's all over No, no, country. no.
0: It's for the whole country. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you so, yeah. Right that's... now
1: you see the tiniest minimal change in the northern reaches of the country. It's starting. That's exciting.
0: And it's always interesting when these maps start to really light up because you start to see the topography of the country revealed in the leaf changes and Hmm. I always think that's fun. So, yeah, yeah, if you are planning to shop early for Black Friday, if you want to give hints about your (laughs) amazing Halloween costumes or tell us about your planned autumn adventures, uh, you can definitely uh, let us know. And, uh, yeah, are you going to go look at the leaves anywhere, Amy?
1: Oh, I always do, but it's often kind of like by accident when driving a kid to a Distant soccer game, or you know, mm. um, going to see the in laws, but I always, yeah, I do some leaf peeping, it's my favorite
0: time of the year. And then the going to For the pumpkin sure. patch and the apple orchard, and all the oh, fun yes, fall the activities. I have apple cider. I love, I love some autumn, okay. That's it. That's it. That's all I got (laughs) for today while I wax poetic about the fall. Uh, Tomorrow we're going to do some actually some personal finance, which we don't do a ton of on the show uh, without Kai giving the disclaimer of consult your own financial advisor. Uh, Right. We are going to do that. um, We we will, of course. uh, A little personal finance for our Tuesday deep dive talking about being a consumer in our current higher interest rate environment, which... So many of us have spent the last couple decades in this low interest rate environment, and some people were not even born when we had higher interest rates. <laughs> so, you know, yep. operating and just existing in this economy is a little different.
1: Absolutely. And you can send us your questions and comments about that or really any topic. Our email is smart at marketplace.org. Or you can call and leave us a voice message. It's 508 Smart.
0: You've clarified the letters U and B.
1: (laughs) The letter U, the letter B. (laughs) Make Me Smart is produced by Marissa Cabrera. Today's program
0: was engineered by Jake Cherry. Our senior producer is Bridget Bodner, and the director of On Demand is Donna Tam. Have the kids picked out what they're wearing for Halloween yet? Oh my gosh, probably.
1: I should talk to them. (laughs) 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 Sorry, didn't mean to cause a
0: parent alert. (laughs) We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive
1: journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine... I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. ...to splurging on fast fashion. I was spending, like, all my tips. I was definitely spending, like... $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.